Hey everyone, welcome back to the Live with Rachel podcast. I'm Rachel and today we're going to be continuing our study through the book of Romans. Specifically today, we're going to be reading through Romans chapter 5 verses 1 to 11. If this is your first time listening and you have no idea what I'm doing, basically at the moment the aim of my podcast is to create a Bible study like this in an easy to understand way. And if you have been listening from the start and you're still following along with the narrative of the letter, I hope you're understanding just fine. Uh, I would really love to know if you've been enjoying it so far or if it's easy to understand. So please don't hesitate to message me on my Instagram and tell me what you've gotten out of this Bible study so far. So to recap, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who is the author of the letter to the Romans, he's proved that the whole world is guilty before God and that no one can be saved in like a religious or morally good deed kind of way, like keeping the law or things that are generally accepted as like, quote, the right thing to do or that like, quote, things a good person would do. Basically, Paul has explained so far that God's way of salvation has always been by grace through faith and in the last episode we talked about how he even used Abraham who is considered the father of the Jewish nation as an illustration. By this point in the letter the people reading this know that they need to and could be saved. Also if you've been listening to the previous episodes and have been reading along with me in the book of Romans you should know what being saved means already but if you've just tuned into this episode and you have no idea what I'm talking about sin is the reason we need to be saved and when Christians say that, quote, we are saved, what we mean by that is that we are saved from the penalty of sin. Jesus paid for our sin on the cross in the past, and when a person trusts in him for salvation, that person is forgiven and justified before God. Now, we still struggle with the power of sin in our lives. Like, I've never claimed that as Christians we are perfect because we're not, but we are forgiven. And as a Christian matures, there will be victories over sin on a day-to-day life. Like, it It's an everyday struggle. Christians are constantly being saved from the power of sin over them. And in the future, one day, the Bible says that Christians will be saved from the very presence of sin. We will no longer have to battle it. We will receive a whole new body and our sin nature will be completely gone. And we can just look forward to a new home, a new heaven, a new earth where sin will no longer be an issue. That's spoken a lot about in Revelation chapter 21. So if you want to read more in depth about that, I would highly recommend you read that. But basically, salvation has three aspects, past, present, and future. And we're saved from the penalty of sin, meaning that we've been made justified. And presently, we're being saved from the power of sin, meaning that we're being sanctified every single day. And in the future, we will be saved from the presence of sin, meaning that one day we will be glorified. So I hope that all makes sense. But anyway, in this section today, we'll be answering a lot of questions about being justified by faith. Questions like, can we be sure that it will last? Like, how is it possible for God to save someone who is a broken sinner through the death of Jesus on the cross? Like, how is that possible? How do I know that I'm saved? How do I know that I'm going to heaven? And Paul, in the following section, what we're going to be reading today, explains two basic truths. One, the blessings of our justification and the basis for our justification. But today, we're going to be looking at that first truth, the blessings of 
of our justification. So let's get right into it and read this section. It's Romans chapter 5 verses 1 to 11 and it says this in the New Living Translation. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation and this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless Christ came just at the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. So enlisting all of these blessings, Paul accomplishes two purposes. The first one is he tells us how wonderful it is to be a Christian. Our justification is not just by a guarantee of going to heaven, as amazing as that is in itself, but it's also the source of the enormous blessings that we enjoy in the here and now, in like in our lives every single day. And second was to assure his readers that justification is an ever lasting thing. I explained in the last episode how the Jewish readers would have been very confused at this whole justification by faith thing. So if you haven't listened to that episode, or if you want to know more about that, I highly recommend that you listen to that episode. But now I'm just going to cut to the chase. When God declared us righteous through Jesus Christ, he gave to us seven spiritual blessings that assure us that we really, really, really are saved and that we're going to go to heaven and that no one can overwrite what God has declared. There is nothing about it that can be undone. This is going to be a really good section for those of you who may be questioning whether or not you're really a Christian, questioning whether or not you're really going to heaven, or maybe you've been on the fence about have I really accepted what Jesus has done for us? Like, am I just saying it? Like, am I just gaslighting myself right now? But basically, the here are going to be seven ways to know that you truly are justified because th- this will be the fruit of that. This is the seven blessings of justification. So here we go. The first one is you have peace with God. So I'm going to reread this section bit by bit and I'll explain everything. So rereading verse one again. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. So naturally, the unbelieving person is hostile to God because they can't listen to God's law or fulfill God's will. You know, their hearts are hard against God. So we've talked about all of that in previous episodes as to why that is. But also just to reiterate, I want to read out Isaiah chapter 48 verse 22 and it says, but there is no peace for the wicked, says the Lord. Pretty straightforward. And also in Isaiah chapter 32, verse 17, it also says, This righteousness will bring peace. Yes, it will bring quietness and confidence forever. 
So justification means that God declares us righteous, which is a declaration of peace, which is also made possible by Jesus' death on the cross. I've said this many times, but nobody who goes against God's law can enjoy peace. So that's what I mean by the unbelieving is hostile towards God. But when you are justified by faith, you have been declared righteous by God. You are right with God and the law cannot condemn you. It's pretty straightforward. So number two, you have access to God. Verse two says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. So again, I've explained how the Jewish holy temple works in previous episodes before, but the Jews would be kept away from God's presence by the veil in the temple that they have. And the Gentile especially was kept out by a wall in the temple with a warning on it that says that any Gentile who went beyond would be killed. However, when Jesus died on the cross, his sacrifice tore the veil and broke down that wall. This literally happened. It's been documented in history, but it's also a symbol of our relationship and proximity to God. So in Jesus, any believing person could now have access to God directly and they can now draw on the riches of the grace of God. And we stand in grace not in the law now. So justification has everything to do with our standing. Sanctification has everything to do with our state. So if you are a child of the king, for example, you could enter into the king's presence no matter how you looked. The word here that's used for access means entrance to the king through the favor of another. And for us, that another is Jesus. Number three, you have glorious hope. So I'm going to reread verse one again. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Now, when it says there, peace with God, that's talking about the past tense. Like notice the language, that's past tense. God will no longer hold our sins against us. And now I'm going to read verse two again. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. We confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. Now, when it says undeserved privilege where we now stand, in other translations, it might say access to God, which is pretty clear. (laughs) This phrase, though, is talking about the present. It's present tense. We can come to God at any time for the help that we need. And where it says we can confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory, that is, if you notice the language again, it's talking in the future. It's talking about its future tense. One day we will share in his glory. When we haven't placed our hope and trust in God, we don't really have anything to boast about because everything that we do, everything we try to do in order to look good, we all fall short of the glory of God. But in Jesus Christ, we boast in his goodness, his righteousness, his holiness, and his glory. Number four, you have Christian character. Now, verses three to four, I'm going to reread it again. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Now, just because you may be justified doesn't mean that you're going to escape the hard things in life. Like nowhere in the Bible does it say that just because you're a Christian, does that mean that you will go through life forever, just be smooth sailing and not experiencing a bad thing ever again. Like that, that's not promised. That's not true. In fact, John chapter 16 verse 33 says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. I have 
have overcome the world. However, for the person who believes and trusts in God, these trials, the hard times that happen to us, they will work for you now instead of against you. No amount of suffering can separate you from God. Instead, these hard times, the trials, should and will bring you closer to God and make you more like Jesus, making you more Christ-like. Suffering builds Christian character. It really sucks, but it's true. So pay attention to the following sequence. It states here that trials, or in other translations, it will have the word tribulation. So trials, endurance, which can also be translated to patience. So trials, endurance, character, hope. So our English word, tribulation, it comes from the Latin word tribulum. And in Paul's day, a tribulum was a heavy piece of timber with spikes on it, and it was often used for threshing grain. It was, it was a tool used by grain farmers. The tribulum was drawn over the grain, and it would separate the wheat from the chaff. Now, if you don't know what the chaff is, the chaff is the husk that surrounds the seed, and it's usually thrown away because we don't eat this, you know, the husk. We don't eat the outside. We eat what's inside the husk. And basically it's waste material so the metaphor here is that it's an object with little to no value so in the same way when we go through hard times and depend on God's grace through it all the hard times will only purify us and will help us to get rid of the chaff the the things in life that have no value to us or little to no value okay number five you have God's love within you Verses 5 to 8 say, And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. The Bible elsewhere actually says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, uh, quote, not getting what you want can break your heart. Or in other translations, it says hope deferred makes the heart sick. But it says here that this hope will not lead to disappointment because God's love fills our hearts. And because of this, I actually want to point out the fruits of the spirit that's given to us. It's actually found in Galatians chapter five. But the first three fruits They're fruits that can be experienced, and it's love, joy, and peace. Before we were saved, God proved his love to us by sending Jesus to die for us. Now, for those who say that we believe and trust in him, we are now his. We're part of his family, we're his children. And surely because of that, he will love us even more. And it's in experiencing this love through the Holy Spirit that will give us the strength that we need to go through the hard times. Faith, love, and hope, they can all combine together to give the believer patience in these hard times. And then the patience or endurance in the translation that we read makes it possible for the believer to grow in character and then become a mature child of God. Number six, you have salvation from future wrath. Verses nine to 10 say, And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So Paul argues that if God saved us when we were still his enemies, when we were at odds with him, surely he will keep on saving us now that we're part of his family. We're his children now. Now, that doesn't say that like there is no wrath. There definitely is wrath to come. 
come, absolutely, but not for the true Christian, not for the true believer in God. They, they, that person will not experience it. Paul also argues that Jesus' death accomplished so much for us. So how much more will he do for us in his life as he intercedes for us now in heaven? So actually think about it like this. When you write a will, it has no effect until the death of the one who wrote it, right? So then an executor, the, the person in charge of the will, will see to it that the will is obeyed and the inheritance is distributed. But say, for example, that the executor isn't a good person. They're unethical, immoral, and they just want to get the inheritance for themselves. They just want to steal it from you. And they might figure out a way to twist the rules and to actually steal the inheritance successfully. So Jesus Christ wrote us into his will. He wrote the will with his blood. He even says in Luke chapter 22, verse 20, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with by my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. So Jesus died so that the will will be in force, but then he rose from the dead and returned to heaven so that he could enforce the will himself and distribute the inheritance himself. So that way, you know, there's not some evil person who's trying to twist the rules and steal the inheritance from you. So that's how we're saved by his life. Finally, number seven, it's the last one. You have been reconciled with God. Verse 11 says, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Back in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32, Paul explained how people declare war on God, and because of this, they deserve to be condemned forever. But God didn't declare war on people. Like, think about it. A lot of people think that the bad things that happen to them in life or the people that hurt or abuse them, they think that this was because of God. Like, God was responsible for this, but it's not. God's not responsible for that. Uh, we've made it clear in previous episodes that Satan's the prince of evil. Like, God God isn't. God is love, God is light, and so forth. But God was the one who sent his son to be a peacemaker. He he sent him to be a peacemaker so that the people can be reconciled, you know, meaning brought back to God. So when you look at these seven blessings from being saved by grace through faith in Jesus, you can now for certain see that your salvation is him. Like hopefully you see that from these seven blessings, the solid foundation. Now, totally apart from the law and by grace, there is salvation that takes care of the past, the present and the future. Every aspect of your life should now be certain, like that that should help you. <laughs> Jesus died for us. And I don't know how many times I can say that over and over, but Jesus now also lives for us and he's coming back. He was, we talk a lot about how he died for us and he died for our sins, but I want to reiterate, like he also rose from the dead three days later. How incredible is Jesus. He is so worthy of our love and adoration. And I really hope that this episode explains that concept thoroughly. And I hope that you walk away from this episode feeling reassured of these seven blessings that we get through our faith in Jesus. So I'm going to leave this episode here. Please don't forget to tune into the next episode where we're going to go through the second purpose. We're going to be reading through Romans chapter 5 verses 12 to 21. So I hope you have a great rest of your day and I will see you next time. Bye everyone. Bye everyone.